Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What up, everybody? I'm going to initiate a call to action for everyone to donate $1.99 so that you can access the back catalog of the podcast as well as to help your podcast grow. I'm trying to grow the podcast and I want to do that with you guys and make it better and brighter and bring you more information. So if you want to access the back catalog and help support me as an artist, I appreciate you and please donate at anchor.fm underneath Lockdown Universe. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Lockdown Universe, some of the bizarre, peculiar, and unheard of stories of UFO, legend, and paranormal lore. Welcome back, welcome back. Happy to be back. Hopefully you guys are doing well and taking care of yourself. So today, I'm going to talk about Danny and Brinkley, who is one of the most famous near-death experiencers of all time. This guy died four times, including his very first time when he was struck by a lightning bolt while he was on the telephone, which traveled down the phone line, melting the phone he was holding into his body and slammed him into the ground in 1975. Now, let's just get right into it, okay? When that happened, <laughs> this guy, <laughs> this guy's amazing. He's a Marine, okay? Or, you know, uh, he was a Marine, a star athlete, a successful businessman. Um, and he wasn't very interested in spiritual matters. But when this happened, uh, it was truly amazing. He woke up in the morgue. Okay. Woke up in the morgue. 30 minutes later, after he was picked up by uh, paramedics, they tried to revive him. And he woke up in the hospital morgue. So let's cover this near-death experience. Then we can talk about all the good that he's doing. Because this guy is really kind of truly a saint. He, he, he has spent thousands of hours near uh, the bedsides of those veterans who are dying and comforted them af after he's had these near-death experiences, kind of changed his whole perspective on life. So let's get into it. So in this experience, in the very first one in 1975, okay, he, he states that he left his body, he floated along with the ambulance as it raced to the hospital, and he watched from above as the doctors declared him dead. So he was actually declared dead. And 28 minutes after that period, <laughs> he wakes up in the morgue. During those 28 minutes, he had a very, very interesting near-death experience. He said he traveled through a tunnel where he encountered a spiritual being of light and underwent a grueling replay of his entire life. Grueling because, you know, he wasn't very interested in spiritual matters. Um... He states that he not only saw it from his own perspective, but also from everyone he'd ever encountered. He said it was extremely humbling. He said he got in a 360-degree panorama of his life. He missed no pieces of his life. Um, he stated that, I knew how many hairs were in the nose of the doctor who pulled me from my mother. He states, you know everything. 
that there is from the time you open your eyes, you have complete cognitive awareness. There's no doubt about it. And that's all happening at the same time. Then you watch the same life of a, from a second-person point of view, as if you were, your, you were your own best friend. You can see how silly, funny, and dumb, and how stupid it was, but it's one of your best friends, so there's no judgment. Uh, he states, you literally become every person that you ever encounter, and you feel the direct results of the interactions you have with those people. So no one gets away with anything. He states that in a flash, he was back in his severely injured body. It took him two years to be able to walk again. And he didn't have... Uh, let me see. He didn't tell many people. Uh, when he did tell his family, they didn't believe it. Okay, so there's lots of stuff going on in his life right now. But in the same year that the lightning bolt happened, uh, Dr. Raymond Moody wrote a book called Life After Life, uh, and he coined the term near-death experience. So this is all happened in the mid to late 70s. Um, so Brinkley then dies again. Remember, he's had four near-death experiences. He dies again in 89. So the first one was 75. This one's 89 during open-heart surgery. Dies again. He stated that he once again was uh, visited by what he perceived to be the afterlife. At that point, he decides, okay, I've had so many experiences, I'm going to write a book. The first one was called Saved by the Light, which became a huge seller, and it led to a television appearance, multiple television appearances, and a made-for-TV movie. So, I found a nice article written by George Knapp, who is a Nevada native, just like uh, Danny and Brinkley is, so he interviewed him um, and talked to him about his, his near-death experiences and a little bit about what happened while he died. So when this happened, um, going back to the 1975 experience, he states that the lightning bolt went into the side of my head above my ear and then it went down my spine. It welded the nails of my of the heels of my shoes to the floor threw me up in the air I see the ceiling it slams me back down a ball of fire comes through the room and blinds me I'm burned and I'm on fire and I'm paralyzed and that's when he left his body so two months it took him to recover uh, start to learn how to walk again um, and then he had his heart attack uh, open-heart surgery I should say and then all of these skeptics and debunkers come after him, right? They're like, oh, no, there's no way you can, this happened. This is just what the brain does when it dies. Well, it ha the exact same thing happened twice to him, okay, at, by this point in 1989. Leslie Keene, who is a great journalist, written extensively about near-death experiences, says that there's evidence of the human consciousness existing independently outside of the body after the physical death. Um, and she states that many of those stories mimic his. But... What's interesting is, later, he has another near-death experience during brain surgery. This guy's, this guy's lived a hell of a life, hasn't he? Freaking gets struck by lightning, has open-heart surgery, then brain surgery. Um, and he says, if I didn't go to hell in the last four journeys, nobody's going to hell. Um, did I miss one here? I must have missed one... 
but I didn't see a fourth one in there. Maybe if I come across it, I can bring it up. Um, but yeah, I mean, that comment that he makes, if I didn't go to hell in the last four journeys, nobody's going to hell. So when you learn that you don't die, when you learn that you're a spiritual being, you're not going to go to hell. That's enough to inspire you to change. So he put his beliefs into action, and for decades he's been counseling terminally ill patients, specifically fellow veterans. Um, he spent tens of thousands of hours beside the individuals who have been dying, and he has been with more than 2,000 2, people as they passed on. I've been with a few people as they passed on through my career. 2,000 is just incredible. This guy is like a saint, like I said. Um, he's also an inspirational speaker, obviously, and he, you know, he does promote his book as well. But, you know, this guy, I mean, he's, there's pictures in this article showing, showing him in Minneapolis uh, back in 2003, visiting with veterans from the Korean War uh, and a nurse from World War II, which is pretty neat. Um, he also talks about um, the passion that led him to create what was called, or what is called, the Twilight Brigade. It works with veterans and and administration to try to ensure that no military veteran should die alone. So Brinkley, who was hobbled by a lifetime of serious injuries, knows that he's helped thousands of people when they're near death, which is pretty great. And he added that <clears throat> because nobody dies, uh, it's not really part of our part of the nature of reality um, when he's talking about science and religion. He's talking about, you know, the fact that we don't die, that, you know, he doesn't believe that, you know, science or religion plays a big role into things, that it's just, this is a natural thing that happens. The Twilight Brigade program that he's part of um, went inoperative because of COVID. Um, you know, he wasn't able to visit with people. They were blocking family members. They definitely weren't going to block Danny, or they were going to block Danny from being able to visit people, even in VA hospitals. Um, so he said, you know, this article, it was, yeah, it was a year ago. So this was like, you know, deep into COVID. And so he's looking to probably pick up his, his, um, work again and get back out there now that people are able to go visit their family members. Um, but what's interesting about Danian is that he talks about himself later on in the article when he's doing the interview with George Knapp. He said, well, I grew up as a tough guy in South Carolina. I was a macho sports guy. Religion wasn't a big deal to, to me. Basically, I was a jackass, typical southern redneck, and all the things that go along with that. And then I served in the Marine Corps. And during the course of his time there, all he was doing was hanging out with adrenaline-driven individuals. Um, and that was his life. So his business was basically... Um, buying and selling antique cars and restoring them so it wasn't like you know very spiritual he said um he's not he wasn't interested in spirituality at all um he wasn't afraid of lightning and he said when the lightning came down he said of course we had phone lines back then not wireless it followed the line down into his house and everything else happened um and the, you know the rest is history but like that 28 minute period when he was dead um was was like an eternity and he didn't think he was coming back because he's looking at his body and it fe felt like he was blown to smithereens so he didn't feel like he was coming back to earth um but he did see that you know um he left 
uh, a woman named Sandy who he was in love with and nothing else mattered. And so he wanted to go back for her. Um, he knew he was still in his energetic body um, and that he was going to be able to, to come back and kind of make that decision to come back. Um, the place where he was at, he stated, was like a bluish, silveryish, um, sensational place. Um, it kind of looked like when you put your hand underwater, um, as to how his body looked in the other realm. Um, you know, and, and so it was very, very much a different place for him. Um, but he said it definitely is what inspired him to become a hospice volunteer, serving more than 34,000 hours near the bedside and helping those who really need it, give them that reassurance that they're going to have peace, comfort, and love once they go to the other side. So that's what I think is super cool about this particular uh, particular case. Danian's got a great book out. I've read it. Um, there's lots of lots of interesting information in there, um, you know. And, and there's lots of lots of more information about this particular case. But again, I didn't want to like over. I don't want to overwhelm folks with too much information. Um, but what is interesting is he does talk a little bit about the next life. Um, one second here. He says, well, once you realize three things, you're a spiritual being, you're great and powerful, um, and, and you have dignity, direction, and purpose. He said, I've never been able to doubt that in all of my four journeys. I've witnessed the bedside of people um, as they've gone along, and um, he states his heart goes out to those um, who are fear of losing someone. Um, he says that, that, um, he feels like he was chosen to do this. Um, and he talks about how he entered a crystal city and he said, it's hard to describe it with words in English. He said, but to give you an idea, I went to this crystal city and as I entered it, the being who came to guide me merged with me. It merged with me. Now, I've worried about that, and I've listened to thousands, well, probably 400 near-death experiences, he says at this time. And he says, that being merged with me and had a heightened sense of me. I mean, I was more aware, uh, less of that I was Danian, and more that I was a spiritual being. And he said that um, this being was like a basically built of light. And it had a nuclei, like you look at atoms that have nuclei, and these arcs and waves that just appear through it. Then these 12 beings appeared, and there were, and the 13th being was just to the right, just above to the 12th in front of me. And it would designate one of the beings not in order, and then all of a sudden, that being would resonate colors, emanate colors. And it would resonate to where it was the only thing I saw. And then it was like a laptop, which was full of knowledge, uh, like a box of knowledge, which, I, which is what I call them. I came, and it would open up in front of me, and I would see these series of events. And I was like, okay, I can smell them too. And it was like being physically aware of them, although I'm not a physical being anymore. And when I used to laugh and tell jokes in, le in lectures... I used to tell people maybe I died and went to Radio Shack because when you try to think about it, 
I went through 12 of these boxes. I, I never did quite understand the first couple of years what it meant, but it was burned into me, and it was always burnt into me. And I always thought it was, you know, going to be a guidepost for something that would be shown to me. And when I saw what I thought was these events, the, these events that would basically be markers in my life, I knew that there was a destiny being designed for me. I just didn't know what it was. I knew that I had agreed to it, and I knew that I was chosen for it. And that's the same for everybody that's listening to this. Uh, it's the same thing for everyone else. It's the same structure that I'm describing. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, so, you know, there you have it. You know, whether you believe in his story or whether you don't, he believes that there, we are all here for a specific purpose. We all agreed to that purpose. And we're all here to fulfill our own destiny. So why or how or what, you know, I guess those are questions that will be answered as time goes on. Um, but it is interesting, and if you want to take a look at his book, feel free to. But anyway, I just wanted to share this with you. I think he's a really cool guy in the fact that he's going around and helping people who are, are on hospice, are dying, and, and giving them comfort. Something that we can all learn from. So hopefully you guys are taking care of yourself spiritually, physically, and emotionally, following through on your hobbies and goals and your dreams, and as always, continuing to question the universe around you. Now that you've heard this podcast... What will you do with your time? What will you do to make the day better for someone else? Will you sacrifice something in your life to make it better for someone else who may not have as much as you have or have what you have or have the capability to move at this time? Will you go visit them? Will you go comfort them? Something to, think, something to consider, something to maybe schedule into your life and your lifestyle. And hopefully, uh, you know, something that you can, you can do for yourself and for someone else. Until next time, guys, take care and Lockdown Universe out.